Chapter 41 of Louisa de la Valliere. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines. Louisa de la Valliere by Alexandra Dumas. Chapter 41 wherein may be seen that a bargain which cannot be made with one person can be carried out with another. Aramis had been perfectly correct in his supposition, for hardly had she left the house in the place Boudouet than Madame de Chevreux proceeded homeward. She was doubtless afraid of being followed, and by this means thought she might succeed in throwing those who might be following her off their guard but scarcely had she arrived within the door of the hotel and hardly had assured herself that no one who could cause her any uneasiness was on her track when she opened the door of the garden leading into another street and hurried towards the rue croix des petits champs where monsieur colbert resided we have already said that evening or rather night had closed in it was a dark thick night besides Paris had once more sunk into its calm, quiescent state, enshrouding alike within its indulgent mantle the high-born duchess carrying out her political intrigue, and the simple citizen's wife, who, having been detained late by a supper in the city, was making her way slowly homewards, hanging on the arm of a lover by the shortest possible route. Madame de Chevreux had been too well accustomed to nocturnal political intrigues to be ignorant that a minister never denies himself even at his own private residence to any young and beautiful woman who may chance to object to the dust and confusion of a public office or to old women as full of experience as of years who dislike the indiscreet echo of official residences a valet received the duchess under the peristyle and received her it must be admitted with some indifference of manner he intimated, after having looked at her face, that it was hardly at such an hour that one so advanced in years as herself could be permitted to disturb Monsieur Colbert's important occupations. But Madame de Chevreux, without looking or appearing to be annoyed, wrote her name upon a leaf of her tablets, a name which had but too frequently sounded so disagreeably in the ears of Louis the Thirteenth and of the great cardinal she wrote her name in the large ill-formed characters of the higher classes of that period handed it to the valet without uttering a word but with so haughty and imperious a gesture that the fellow well accustomed to judge of people from their manners and appearance perceived at once the quality of the person before him bowed his head and ran to monsieur colbert's room the minister could not control a sudden exclamation as he opened the paper and the valet, gathering from it the interest with which his master regarded the mysterious visitor, returned as fast as he could to beg the duchess to follow him. She ascended to the first floor of the beautiful new house very slowly, rested herself on the landing-place in order not to enter the apartment out of breath, and appeared before Monsieur Colbert, who, with his own hands, held both the folding doors open. The duchess paused at the threshold for the purpose of well studying the character of the man with whom she was about to converse. At the first glance, the round, large, heavy head, 
thick brows and ill-favored features of colbert who wore thrust low down on his head a cap like a priest's calotte seemed to indicate that but with little difficulty was likely to be met with her in negotiations with him but also that she was to expect as little interest in the discussion of particulars for there was scarcely any indication that the rough and uncouth nature of the man was susceptible to the impulses of a refined revenge or of an exalted ambition but when on closer inspection the duchess perceived the small piercingly black eyes the longitudinal wrinkles of his high and massive forehead the imperceptible twitching of the lips on which were apparent traces of rough good-humour madame de chevreux altered her opinion of him and felt she could say to herself i have found the man i want what is the subject madame which procures me the honour of a visit from you he inquired the need i have of you monsieur returned the duchess as well as that which you have of me i am delighted madame with the first portion of your sentence but as far as the second portion is concerned madame de chevreux sat down in the armchair which monsieur colbert advanced towards her monsieur colbert you are the intendant of finances and are ambitious of becoming the superintendent madame nay do not deny it that would only unnecessarily prolong our conversation and that is useless and yet madame however well disposed and inclined to show politeness i may be towards a lady of your position and merit nothing will make me confess that i have ever entertained the idea of supplanting my superior i said nothing about supplanting monsieur colbert could i accidentally have made use of that word i hardly think that likely the word replace is less aggressive in its signification and more grammatically suitable as monsieur de Fauteur would say i presume therefore that you are ambitious of replacing monsieur fouquet monsieur fouquet's fortune madame enables him to withstand all attempts the superintendent in this age plays the part of the colossus of Rhodes. the vessels pass beneath him and do not overthrow him i ought to have availed myself precisely of that very comparison it is true monsieur fouquet plays the part of the colossus of Rhodes, but i remember to have heard it said by monsieur conrad a member of the academy i believe that when the colossus of Rhodes fell from its lofty position the merchant who had cast it down a merchant nothing more monsieur colbert loaded four hundred camels with the ruins a merchant and that is considerably less than an intendant of finances madame i can assure you that i shall never overthrow monsieur fouquet very good monsieur colbert since you persist in showing so much sensitiveness with me as if you were ignorant that i am madame de chevreux and also that i am somewhat advanced in years in other words that you have to do with a woman who has had political dealings with the cardinal richelieu and who has no time to lose as i repeat you do not hesitate to commit such an imprudence i shall go and find others who are more intelligent and more desirous of making their fortunes how madame how you give me a very poor idea of negotiations of the present day i assure you that if in my earlier days a woman had gone to monsieur de cinq marsa 
who was not, moreover, a man of a very high order of intellect, and had said to him about the cardinal what I have just said to you of Monsieur Fouquet, Monsieur de saint Marsa would by this time have already set actively to work. Nay, madame, show a little indulgence, I entreat you. Well, then, do you really consent to replace Monsieur Fouquet? Certainly I do, if the king dismisses Monsieur Fouquet. Again, a word too much. It is quite evident that, if you have not yet succeeded in driving Monsieur Fouquet from his post, it is because you have not been able to do so. Therefore, I should be the greatest simpleton possible if, in coming to you, I did not bring the very thing you require. I am distressed to be obliged to persist, madame, said Colbert, after a silence which enabled the Duchess to sound the depths of his dissimulation. But I must warn you that, for the last six years, denunciation after denunciation has been made against Monsieur Fouquet, and he has remained unshaken and unaffected by them. There is a time for everything, Monsieur Colbert. Those who were the authors of those denunciations were not called Madame de Chevreux, and they had no proofs equal to the six letters from Monsieur de Mazarin which established the offence in question. The offence? the crime if you like it better the crime committed by monsieur fouquet nothing less it is rather strange monsieur colbert but your face which just now was cold and indifferent is now positively the very reverse a crime i am delighted to see that it makes an impression upon you it is because that word madame embraces so many things it embraces the post of superintendent of finance for yourself and a letter of exile, or the Bastille, for Monsieur Fouquet. Forgive me, Madame la Duchesse, but it is almost impossible that Monsieur Fouquet can be exiled. To be imprisoned or disgraced, that is already a great deal. Oh, I am perfectly aware of what I am saying, returned Madame de Chevreux coldly. I do not live at such a distance from Paris as not to know what takes place there, the king does not like Monsieur Fouquet, and he would willingly sacrifice Monsieur Fouquet if an opportunity were only given him. It must be a good one, though. Good enough, and one I estimate to be worth five hundred thousand francs. In what way, said Colbert? I mean, monsieur, that holding this opportunity in my hands, I will not allow it to be transferred to yours except for a sum of five hundred thousand francs. I understand you perfectly, madame, but since you have fixed a price for the sale, let me now see the value of the articles to be sold. Oh, a mere trifle. Six letters, as I have already told you, from Monsieur de Mazarin, and the autographs will most assuredly not be regarded as too highly priced, if they establish, in an irrefutable manner, that Monsieur Fouquet has embezzled large sums of money from the treasury and appropriated them to his own purposes. In an irrefutable manner, do you say? observed Colbert, whose eyes sparkled with delight. Perfectly so. Would you like to read the letters? With all my heart. Copies, of course. Of course, the copies, said the Duchess, as she drew from her bosom a small packet of papers flattened by her velvet bodice read she said colbert eagerly snatched the papers and devoured them excellent he said it is clear enough is it not yes madame yes 
monsieur mazarin must have handed the money to monsieur fouquet who must have kept it for his own purposes but the question is what money exactly what money if we come to terms i will join to these six letters a seventh which will supply you with the fullest particulars colbert reflected and the originals of these letters a useless question to ask exactly as if i were to ask you monsieur colbert whether the money-bags you will give me will be full or empty very good madame is it concluded no for there is one circumstance to which neither of us has given any attention name it monsieur fouquet can be utterly ruined under the legal circumstances you have detailed only by means of legal proceedings well a public scandal for instance and yet neither the legal proceedings nor the scandal can be commenced against him why not because he is procureur general of the parliament because too in france all public administrators the army justice itself and commerce are intimately connected by ties of good fellowship which people call esprit de corps in such a case madame the parliament will never permit its chief to be dragged before a public tribunal and never even if he be dragged there by royal authority never i say will he be condemned well monsieur colbert i do not see what i have to do with that i am aware of that madame but i have to do with it and it consequently diminishes the value of what you have brought to show me what good can a proof of a crime be to me without the possibility of obtaining a condemnation even if he be only suspected monsieur fouquet will lose his post of superintendent is that all exclaimed colbert whose dark gloomy features were momentarily lighted up by an expression of hate and vengeance ah ah monsieur colbert said the duchess forgive me but i did not think you were so impressionable very good in that case since you need more than i have to give you there is no occasion to speak of the matter at all yes madame we will go on talking of it only as the value of your commodities had decreased you must lower your pretensions you are bargaining then every man who wishes to deal loyally is obliged to do so how much will you offer me two hundred thousand francs said colbert the duchess laughed in his face and then said suddenly wait a moment i have another arrangement to propose will you give me three hundred thousand francs no no oh you can either accept or refuse my terms besides that is not all more still you are becoming too impracticable to deal with madame less so than you think perhaps for it is not money i am going to ask you for what is it then a service you know that i have always been most affectionately attached to the queen and i am desirous of having an interview with her majesty with the queen yes monsieur colbert with the queen who is i admit no longer my friend and who has ceased to be so for a long time past but who may again become so if the opportunity be only given her her majesty has ceased to receive any one madame she is a great sufferer and you may be aware that the paroxysms of her disease occur with greater frequency than ever that is the very reason why i wish to have an interview with her majesty for in flanders there is a great variety of these kinds of complaints what cancers a fearful incurable disorder do not believe that monsieur colbert 
the flemish peasant is somewhat a man of nature and his companion for life is not alone a wife but a female laborer also for while he is smoking his pipe the woman works it is she who draws the water from the well she who loads the mule or the ass and even bears herself a portion of the burden taking but a little care of herself she gets knocked about first in one direction and then in another and very often is beaten by her husband and cancers frequently rise from the contusions true true said colbert the flemish women do not die the sooner on that account when they are great sufferers from this disease they go in search of remedies and the beguines of Brusa are excellent doctors for every kind of disease they have precious waters of one sort or another specifics of various kinds and they give a bottle of it and a wax candle to the sufferer whereby the priests are gainers and heaven is served by the disposal of both their wares i will take the queen some of this holy water which i will procure from the beguines of Brusa. her majesty will recover and will burn as many wax candles as she may see fit you see monsieur colbert to prevent my seeing the queen is almost as bad as committing the crime of regicide you are undoubtedly madame la duchesse a woman of exceedingly great abilities and i am more than astounded at their display still i cannot but suppose that this charitable consideration towards the queen in some measure covers a slight personal interest for yourself i have not given myself the trouble to conceal it that i am aware of monsieur colbert you said i believe that i had a slight personal interest on the contrary it is a very great interest and i will prove it to you by resuming what i was saying if you procure me a personal interview with her majesty i will be satisfied with the three hundred thousand francs i have claimed if not i shall keep my letters unless indeed you give me on the spot five hundred thousand francs and rising from her seat with this decisive remark the old duchess plunged monsieur colbert into a disagreeable perplexity to bargain any further was out of the question and not to bargain was to pay a great deal too dearly for them madame he said i shall have the pleasure of handing over a hundred thousand crowns but how shall i get the actual letters themselves in the simplest manner in the world my dear monsieur colbert whom will you trust the financier began to laugh silently so that his large eyebrows went up and down like the wings of a bat upon the deep lines of his yellow forehead no one he said you surely will make an exception in your own favor monsieur colbert in what way madame i mean that if you would take the trouble to accompany me to the place where the letters are they would be delivered into your own hands and you would be able to verify and check them quite true you would bring the hundred thousand crowns with you at the same time for i too do not trust any one colbert colored to the tips of his ears like all eminent men in the art of figures he was of an insolent and mathematical probity i will take with me madame he said two orders for the amount agreed upon payable at my treasury will that satisfy you would that the orders on your treasury were for two millions monsieur l'intendant i shall have the pleasure of showing you the way then allow me to order my carriage i have a carriage below monsieur colbert coughed like an irresolute man he imagined for a moment that the proposition of the duchess was a snare 
that perhaps someone was waiting at the door, and that she whose secret had just been sold to Colbert for a hundred thousand crowns had already offered it to Fouquet for the same sum. As he still hesitated, the duchess looked at him full in the face. "'You prefer your own carriage?' she said. "'I admit I do. "'You suppose I am going to lead you into a snare or trap of some sort or other? "'Madame, la duchess, you have the character of being somewhat inconsiderate at times. "'As I am reputed a sober, solemn character, a jest or practical joke might compromise me. "'Yes, the fact is you are afraid.' well then take your own carriage as many servants as you like only think well of what i am going to say what we two may arrange between ourselves we are the only persons who will know if a third person is present we might as well tell the whole world about it after all i do not make a point of it my carriage shall follow yours and i shall be satisfied to accompany you in your own carriage to the queen to the queen have you forgotten that already is it possible that one of the clauses of the agreement of so much importance to me can have escaped you so soon? How trifling it seems to you, indeed. If I had known it, I should have asked double what I have done. I have reflected, madame, and I shall not accompany you. Really? And why not? Because I have the most perfect confidence in you. You overpower me, but provided I receive the hundred thousand crowns? "'Here they are, madame,' said Colbert, scribbling a few lines on a piece of paper, which he handed to the duchess, adding, "'You are paid.' "'That trade is a fine one, Monsieur Colbert, and I will reward you for it,' she said, beginning to laugh. Madame de Chevreuse's laugh was a very sinister sound. A man with youth, faith, love, life itself, throbbing in his heart, would prefer a sob to such a lamentable laugh. The duchess opened the front of her dress and drew forth from her bosom, somewhat less white than it once had been, a small packet of papers, tied with a flame-colored ribbon, and still laughing, she said, There, Monsieur Colbert, are the originals of Cardinal Mazarin's letters. They are now your own property, she added, refastening the body of her dress. Your fortune is secured, and now accompany me to the queen." no madame if you are again about to run the chance of her majesty's displeasure and it were known at the palais royal that i had been the means of introducing you there the queen would never forgive me while she lived no there are certain persons at the palace who are devoted to me who will procure you an admission without my being compromised just as you please provided i enter what do you term those religious women at bruza who cure disorders Beguines. Good. Are you one? As you please, but I must soon cease to be one. That is your affair. Excuse me, but I do not wish to be exposed to a refusal. That again is your own affair, madame. I am going to give directions to the head valet of the gentleman in waiting on the queen to allow admission to a beguine, who brings an effectual remedy for her majesty's sufferings. You are the bearer of my letter, you will undertake to be provided with the remedy, and will give every explanation on the subject. I admit a knowledge of a beguine, but I deny all knowledge of Madame de Chevreux. Here, Madame, then, is your letter of introduction. End of chapter 41. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah.